What is going on, everybody? I hope you're all having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 17th episode of the season. And this is crazy because this is my last official off-season episode before I start getting into my weekly start and sit, waiver wire, maybe weekly recaps, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited that this is the last one. This one's been a bit overdue because my recording schedule's been a little bit weird, but I'm excited to finally get it out because this is an important one for those of you who have drafts coming up in this last week or so. And these are the top five tight end busts. So today I'll be covering my top five tight end busts for the 2020 season. And joining me today is a special guest that has his own fantasy page on Instagram. It's a little new, but he puts out great content, is always generous, uh, commenting on other people's posts in the fantasy community. He is Will from Pugsy Sports. What's going on, man? Hey, not too much. Happy to be here. Happy Happy to help you out. For sure. So... Let's jump right in. Who is your number five bust for the fantasy season, for the tight ends for this year? So going off of ADP and where people are currently being drafted, as opposed to where I have them being drafted, um, my number or my number five would probably have to be Evan Ingram. Okay. Um, there's always a lot of hype surrounding him. He's a phenomenal athlete. But this all comes down to injury. He just he can't stay on the field. He hasn't been able to do it for a while. And with the team loading up and getting all their weapons back, I just I don't know that he's going to be the focal point that I feel like the Giants wanted him to be. Um, you know, Jason Garrett's coming in and he loves to use his tight end, but I just they have such a good mixture of receivers. They have Saquon, obviously. And Daniel Jones likes to air it out. So I just – I have a feeling that Evan Ingram is going to be probably one of the people who are going, you know, he's right around that tight end nine, and I have him ranked down at 19. So I just wow. – I really don't think that he's going – yeah, I just yeah. really don't see a whole lot coming from him. Yeah, he he actually didn't make my list, but he was someone I definitely considered. Um, but I think that I, – I agree with what you're saying. I think the injuries are a big thing because he's just – Besides his rookie year, he's never been on the field for 16 games. And then on top of that, you also still have, I mean, Golden Tate's not starting the season on a suspension. Sterling Shepard, who I think is super underrated, is coming in healthy this year. They still have Saquon Barkley. I mean, they have a lot of other weapons. And yeah, you said like Jason Garrett could use his tight end. So that's one of the reasons I might stay off of him. And Daniel Jones targeted Evan Ingram at a pretty high clip. But I just think with all those weapons, there's a lot of mouths to feed. I mean, I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. But at the end of the day, I just don't think it's going to be enough for him to get the consistent target share just to finish at his ADP. I mean, he's going as the tight end six right now. And that's just that's pretty close to his ceiling. He's not going to outscore guys like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, guys like that. So I, I really like that pick. My number five tight end bust for this season is Gronk, Rob Gronkowski. So... The, the big problem I have with Rob Gronkowski is he's going as the tight end 11 right now, which really isn't that bad. It's not a super expensive price. But according to training camp reports, he hasn't even been the first tight end in practice. O.J. Howard's been playing ahead of him. And I, I still think O.J. Howard is actually going to have a solid year this year. But that being said, like with Gronk already being the second tight end in this offense, he's learning a completely new system, which is his first time in a new system since he came out of college. And that was a long time ago, over 10 years. So beyond that, he just took a year off. He has a lot of other weapons in the offense. And he's not the number one at, at, sorry, he's not the number one option anymore. And yeah, you're like, okay, well, 
He's the tight end 11. If you want to take a chance on him, go ahead. But I'd rather take someone who has a better role in their offense, less competition for targets, and someone that might be a little bit more athletic, especially at their stage of their career, where we don't know what we're going to get from him at this point in his career. What do you think about that? You know, I cannot disagree with anything you just said. Um, Gronk is actually one of the people who I wanted to talk to as well because, you know, I've whenever he announced he was coming back, I kind of did the, did the, oh boy, what's this going to mean? And then I realized that the Buccaneers have a loaded offense, an absolutely stud offense. And that includes, like you said, O.J. Howard. You know, O.J. Howard is a freaking athletic beast. Like, he always has been. Arians just has never really used him. Well, Arians and then the folks before him. But I just, I agree with you. I don't see how Gronk can come in there, carve out enough of what typically makes Gronk Gronk. I mean, he's typically a huge target guy because Brady likes his little, likes his little dink and dunk passes. But Brady has never had a surrounding pass like this. Um Gronk took a year off. They've come out and said that he's smaller than he was before he left. Obviously, you can't be away from the game that long and stay at the size that you were, which that was one of the things that made Gronk Gronk. And to learn a new system, like you said, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Gronkowski. But it's just one of those things where it's hard to do what he's trying to do, especially with the team that he's currently on. It was a little bit easier on... Patriots because he was the guy but he's not the guy on the team anymore yeah yeah no I totally agree so going off of that who is your number well, actually did Gronk make your top five list for busts he he did he was actually in my number he was actually the next one I was going to talk about okay. so it's it's wonderful that you have brought yeah. him up but Perfect. Um, I'll just I'll skip ahead one and go with uh the guy who I'm you know, he's my third on the list, but that's Austin Hooper. And okay. the reason why it's Austin Hooper is kind of the same role with Gronk aside from the missing a year. He's on a loaded offense. Now, let me say, I feel better about Austin Hooper than I feel about a lot of other of these tight ends, pretty much all of them. The Ingram, I'm, if he stays healthy, Ingram's the best option. But um, with Hooper that team is just so loaded. They're so athletic. They're so young. And he's in the same boat with the OJ Howard Gronk thing. And he has David Njoku, who is also a freakishly talented tight end. Um, I know that Hooper is coming out and he's had a really good camp. And I've seen some, or seen some uh, updates that he's, you know, coming out as the guy, but I'm just not super sold on him for where he's currently going. He's, I mean, he's going later. He's around the tight end 11, and that's typically outside of a starting tight end. But the way that I look at it is that he's going to really need to rack up some targets. He's going to really need to rack up some touchdowns. And if you can't do that on an offense that boasts Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landy, Kareem Hunt, and Nick Chubb, I just, I don't, as well as David Njoku, I just don't see how Hooper's going to produce to really beat out some of these possible later round or early round tight ends. I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I actually totally agree here. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing that you didn't mention is I think like bringing in someone like Kevin Stefanski, I mean, yeah, they targeted the tight ends pretty heavily last year, but they, 
they ran the ball almost as much as anybody. And especially when you're even with going from Dalvin and Cook to going to guys like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who I think are two of the best runners, pure runners in the NFL, period. I think that's going to make it a lot hard, harder for them to throw the ball a lot of times. So if you think about that, you have Chubb, Hunt, Beckham, Landry. I mean, that leaves maybe Hooper as like the fifth best option at best. And they're still going to have Njoku in there who Baker Mayfield actually really targeted a lot when he was playing the previous year. So I, I totally agree. I think that for, for Austin Hooper's price, it's worth taking a shot on him. But I'd rather take a tight end that's more athletic and has a better role in their offense that's around the later rounds, like someone like Mike Gusecki or Johnny Smith, one of those guys. So let me lead into my number four tight end. And my number four tight end is Hunter Henry. So it's not about the talent here. Hunter Henry is always produced when he's on the field, but just going as the tight end seven is just too high for me. And he's playing with a new QB for the first time in his career and an offense that's not going to pass as much with a worse QB and a better defense overall because with Phillip Rivers, they've always thrown the ball a lot. But Tyrod Taylor is not a hucker that's just going to really throw the ball downfield and they're not going to want to put the ball in Tyrod Taylor's hands. But on the flip side, I think once they get Justin, Justin Herbert, that they might throw the ball to the tight ends a little more, which might benefit Hunter Henry. But at the end of the day, Hunter Henry has never played a full 16 games. He's going to be the third or fourth option, arguably, behind Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Mike Williams. But like the, the biggest reason that I'm avoiding Henry is just because of where he's going in drafts. Some guys that are within five spots of ECR or ADP, um, whatever you want to call it, are Marquise Brown, Tyler Boyd, Carson Wentz, Antonio Gibson, and J.K. Dobbins. So would you rather take one of those guys, like Boyd or Wentz, or, and then get someone like Hayden Hurst or Mike Gusecki, one of those guys later in the round, or would you rather take Hunter Henry earlier than end up with a lesser wide receiver or QB later on? So I just don't think it makes sense to take Henry, especially where he's going when I think the injuries worry me, the new situation worries me, and the fact that he's not a top two or even really three option on the team. So Hunter Henry is also on my list. Okay. Um, he was the he was the number number two guy that I'm most worried about. Okay. Primarily because of exactly what you're saying. Um and that's kind of the the folly of all these tight ends that we're t- trying to talk about is that they're going in those rounds where it's arguably more important to take, you know, wide receiver depth, running back depth, depth if you can find it because the running back class really falls off in those later rounds. So it's one of those things where with Hunter Henry, he's going too, he's too pricey. He, while you said, yes, he is very productive whenever he's out there. And with, uh, Tyrod and Herbert, you know, typically whenever new QBs come into a system, especially rookies, they really like to find that uh, security blanket player, that someone who they know will be in the middle of the field, shorter pass, where they can be accurate, where they can kind of, um, when things are breaking down, whenever their first and second reads aren't working, Hunter Henry will be there for that third read, and he'll typically be open. Quarterbacks like that whenever they come into a new system. The only issue is that Hunter Henry doesn't stay on the field for a full season. It's very possible just from his history that he's not on the field whenever Herbert takes over. Unless Tyrod goes out there and bombs early on, which I don't think will happen. I think it will take a couple weeks. But 
Henrik has a terrible history with injuries. He's, you know, always productive when he's out there, but not so productive that you want to pay up in the, you know, fifth, sixth rounds just to get a middle of the pack tight end. So I'm I'm typically off of Henry. I have been for years. Not because of the talent, like you said, just because of his history. He's not he's not a reliable tight end. He's not someone who goes out and you're like, Yes, I want him there. He's a weekly locket, go out. And he's not even really an athletic freak to make you say, Okay, well at least he'll have those big boomed games. Like he's just not that reliable to me. For sure. For sure. So uh, I, I still have three more guys because I, I just named – I was just basically going right off your list and didn't even know it. And you just have your number one guy left, I'm assuming, right? I have a number one guy, okay. and then I have one other guy that I can't talk about. Okay. Um, All right. Well, let me get into my – you, you go. Yeah, yeah. You go. All right. So my number three, um, and he definitely could be on your list, is Jared Cook. Um, I have a huge problem with him because he's going as the tight end 10, which at 33 years old is just basically his ceiling. And the reason that he's still going so high is that he was second among tight ends in touchdowns last year, behind only Mark Andrews, who is still a younger, blooming tight end, rather than Cook that's getting older and isn't even the number one, number two, or number three option now in their offense. So last year, like my big problem with Cook is he's going as the tight end 10 right now, but he literally only had 43 receptions last year. You're taking a guy that had 43 receptions last year. That's le- Do you know what that is over 16 games? That's less than three receptions a game. Three receptions a game would be 48. So you're taking a guy that's averaging less than three catches a game as your tight end 10. That is just blasphemy to me. And not only that, like, yes, okay, yeah, he's a great red soda option. Yeah, you're right, because he did catch a lot of touchdowns, but he's still 33 years old. He had nine touchdowns last year. He's bound for some negative regression. And then they add Emmanuel Sanders, who I think is still going to get some serious targets this year. And I just don't think that Jared Cook is worth it, especially at his ADP when there's other guys that are just more athletic, better situations going later. I can't emphasize that enough. Like, this is the year of the late-round tight end. There's so many guys going later that have athletic profiles and are, could be the featured or, like, number two target in their offense. Guys like, again... Mike Gusecki, Jonu Smith, Chris Herndon, even someone like Blake Jarwin is more athletic, even if he's going to be a later option. But it's just not worth Cook at his price, especially after he had 43 receptions last year, and that's probably going to go down. What do you think about that, Will? So the only thing that I can say with Cook that kind of benefits him is he has arguably one of the greatest throwing in the ball. Yeah, absolutely. That was that- – that is true. However, he is 33. He is touchdown dependent. Like you said, he's the fourth best option on his team. And I want to bring up that they drafted a rookie this season, yep. Adam Troutman, who is incredible. In college, he was phenomenal. And I think you'll find Cook's production will fall off. You know, they'll have Kamara, they'll have. Um, Thomas, wow, I can't believe that. I almost forgot his name. Um, and they brought in Sanders, and I just I don't see Cook doing what he did, and that'll give them a reason to, you know, bring in the rookie. Let the rookie flex a little bit, and whenever you bring in a more athletic, a more or a younger, a potentially more productive, 
you know, stretching the field type tight end, I think that Cook will fall off. I agree. He was uh, he was in consideration for me to talk about, but I just want to say that, you know, he has Breeze thrown to him. That's always a plus. Anytime you have arguably one of the best thrown to you, you can take a shot. But he's still going in those in those mid round to later mid round uh, draft spots, and I just I can't I don't want to risk it with someone who, like you said, he's very old and his ceiling is probably where he's being drafted. You don't look for that in a tight end because the skill falls off after the top like three or four. You want someone who can possibly break into that spot. Sure. Hook's not really that guy anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So who was the other guy that you were going to talk about before your number one guy? So the other guy that I was going to talk about, which this one is a little rough because I do believe in him. I'm just going to spell out a couple possible faults. Okay. All right. And that's Darren Waller. I love Darren Waller. I am the walrus. He's phenomenal. And he's due for positive touchdown regression. That's true. However, I think that the Raiders are going to be a lot better this year than they were. Mm-hmm. I still have Waller rated really high, but I'm not a fan of the mid-round tight end, as I've said a couple times. You know, they have Jacobs. They have two phenomenal rookies in Ruggs and Edwards. They have Hunter Renfro, who whenever Hunter Renfro was on the field last year, Waller's production fell off. That's when he stopped being that top three guy last season. And I'm concerned that the same thing's going to happen. They have a healthy core. They have uh, Derek Carr, who's probably pretty undervalued i wouldn't take him but he's a better quarterback than he's given credit for and waller in the middle rounds he scares me because i just i don't want to pay that kind of capital because he's going in the fourth and fifth round as late as the sixth or seventh i've seen and there's a lot of solid receiving options there that you can choose over him just for depth who have the potential to take over a spot and so I'm just I'm scared of Waller. I trust him. I think he's going to do fine. Yeah. I'm just kind of scared. Well, I'm I'm actually really glad that you said that because Darren Waller is actually my number two bust for this year. So like you said, so to to kind of just pop on to what you're saying, I mean, like he has a lot more competitions for targets this year with Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs, Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Renfro, and then the biggest one is Jason Witten. They're not going to sign Jason Witten as the number two tight end if he's not going to get on the field. And yeah, oh, well, you might show Waller some new tricks. That's right. But at the end of the day, he's coming in. He's going to play, which takes away snaps from Waller. They have guys like Edwards, Ruggs, Renfro, and Aguilar who can all play the slot. So there won't be a lot of two tight end personnel on the field. And then not only that, like they have the second year of Josh Jacobs, who he's going to probably catch more passes this year. And Darren Waller has a phenomenal story coming over sobriety and all of a sudden breaking out. But I don't want people to forget Raheem Mostert is a great story too, but it doesn't mean that he's going to be great this year. Darren (laughs) Waller has never had more than 17 targets in his career in a season before this year. And I think everything lined up for him last year, but he has a lot more competition for targets. And I'm not saying that he's going to be bad, but he's going as the tight end five right now. No one here listening to this is going to say, oh, well, he's going to outproduce Kelsey or Kittle or even Andrews if he's on the field. So that means that his ceiling is tight end four. 
and his, he's mm-hmm. being drafted as the tight end five. And he's being drafted around the same time where you can get guys like DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin, DJ Chark, other guys that are really good. Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, if you like these mid-round QBs. It's just not worth his price where he's going. So let me, just, let me just go right into our number one because I think we have the same number one. I'd honestly be shocked if we didn't at this point based on where we're going. And that's Tyler Higby. Um, is he your number yep. one? So yep. there are so many people that are on the Tyler Higby train, but I just don't understand it. So the biggest reason why I don't like Tyler Higby is just because like he's not really athletic. He had a 50, 50th percentile speed score, a 50, 50th percentile burst score. He doesn't have these like outstanding athletic measurables. Like you're like, oh, well, he's producing like George Kittle or Travis Kelsey when they first broke out. Well, those guys are phenomenal athletes. They were both in the 80th or 90th percentile for speed and burst score and all these athletic traits when they were coming out. So these are guys that are already uber athletic, whereas Tyler Higby's not. Like, and beyond that, like him not being athletic, like you want an athletic guy, especially at the tight end eight. And like beyond that, he's never outproduced even Gerald Everett when he's been on the field. Their first season, Tyler Higby started all 16 games in 2018 when they played together. And Higby only outscored, I mean, only had 50 more yards than, than Everett. Tyler Higby had 300 yards the previous year before last year. And then even last year, like, when they played, like, the snaps just weren't there for Higby. And people were like, oh, well, 12 personnel, 12 personnel, 12 personnel. Like, they didn't run, like, 12 personnel, like, 100% of the time. I think people forget that every time they were going down... Like when they were losing, they used 11 personnel 70% of the time over those last six weeks when everyone was like, oh, well, they just want to throw it to the tight ends. And on top of that, people are like, but but Alex, but Alex, but Alex, but he produced 400-yard games in a row. Well, that's right, but two of them were against the worst tight end defense for fantasy football in NFL history in the Cardinals. Everyone was producing against them this year. There was no one that didn't. And on top of that, who else did he play? Seattle. Oh, what were they? The second worst tight end defense last year. I'm not saying that every tight end is going to get 100 yards just because it's a bad defense, but that also inflated part of his production, and you can't hang on to that. And then San Francisco? Oh, what do you know? They were also a bottom five tight end defense. That was the only place in the field where they didn't defend well. So all of this combined with people saying, oh, well, 12 personnel, 12 personnel, 12 personnel. They did that because they had to last year and they had to make a shift, but they've always done 11 personnel. And maybe they'll stay with 12, but that you're holding out hope for that. So you're holding out hope that they have 12 personnel. He's not athletic, which is going to make it a lot harder for him to get open. And on top of that, he's never really even produced when Everett's been healthy. He produced those four games because Everett was out those games or he wasn't playing. So I just, I, I don't understand the Tyler Higby hype. I get where people are coming from, but I just think he's going to be an absolute bust this year. Let me ask you a couple questions. Yeah, go for it. Twenty-eight. All right, so obviously 2019, he had that phenomenal end of the season that inflated his uh, his tight end finish. Yep. In 20, uh, 2019, he finished right around that tight end eight, okay? Yep. Now, let me ask you, in 2018, was he a top 20 tight end? I don't think so. No. Was he a top 25 tight end? I don't where know. Gerald, where Gerald Everett was a top 25 tight end. Yeah. Was he a top 30 tight end? No. No. So he wasn't even in, he wasn't even a tight end two yep. in 2018. The only reason he was a tight end one 
in 2019 was because of his last four games against I love all the teams that we've that we talk about I love the NFL and everything the Cardinals the Seahawks and the 49ers they were the dregs of covering tight ends they couldn't do it the Cardinals were historic like it was known you could start any tight end against the Cardinals and probably put up a good week yep I do not trust Tyler Higby at all I have so many people who are so in on him who think that he is going to blow up and keep doing it. And I want, like you said, I want to remind them, Gerald Everett wasn't on the field whenever he did this. Gerald Everett's coming back. I want to remind you that they were doing this at a time where they were still trying to figure out just what sort of worked for them. But that that was after losing Cook. That was while they were still trying to, you know, work through some things. They have Cup. They have Woods. They have three running backs who aren't bad. Cam Akers is arguably one of the best pass-catching backs that have come out of a draft in a long time. And to take Tyler Higby where he is going is you're messing up your draft. You're going into it hoping to strike gold again, hoping to pull out those – that continuation of the hundred yard games. And I would be surprised if he does it more than twice this next season. Yeah. No, I, hey, I could be wrong. I could be, but I just want to really quick finish with up until his four game streak of breakout games. I want to tell you in those four hundred yard games that he put up, that is like 60 or 70% of his career yardage. Yeah. He doesn't have anything else to prove or to help prove his case. He played well at the end of the season whenever they were not doing what they wanted to do. They were mixing, they were experimenting. He has competition. He's on a freakishly athletic team. I don't I don't I don't want any part of Tyler Higby this year. Yeah, and let me give you a couple other points that if, if you're still listening to this and you're like, I still love Tyler Higby because those defenses are bad, no. The Cardinals added Isaiah Simmons at seventh overall this year. And, like, I'm a, I'm a guy that actually plays IDP, which is individual position football. And, like, usually rookie linebackers like, like Isaiah Simmons are nasty in that because they rack up tackles. But what I've been reading is they want to use him as a coverage guy because their coverage on tight ends was so bad last year. I'm not saying that they're going to turn into the number one tight end defense, but adding a guy like that who can cover tight ends and they added him at seventh overall, he can play – Safety. He played cornerback, linebacker. He played everything but defensive tackle in college. He'll be able to cover tight ends. And then also, who did Seattle add? Jamal Adams, who's also a great cover great guy. guy. He's a he's a he's a thumper, but he can really cover tight ends as well. So they both shored up some of their tight end defenses. And the last thing I want to say is, in regards to snaps, when Everett was healthy last year, before week, before sorry, before Everett got hurt. Tyler Higby had not played over he sorry he played over 60% of the snaps once in the first 8 games. Once in 8 games yeah. he played over 60% of the snaps and you just don't want that on your team especially when you're going into this next year and you just don't know what their offense is going to look like. So I think that that is enough for Tyler Higby. We've given him a lot of hate. And we're not saying that he's going to be the worst tight end in football this year. It's just not worth what it, where he's being drafted as a top 10 tight end. So with that, Absolutely. that, that's it. So 
Um, Will, I just want to say thank you, man, for coming on. Follow him at Pugsy Sports on Instagram. Is there anything you want to plug, anything you're working on, anything like that that you want to tell the listeners? Um, really? Follow Pugsy Sports on Instagram. I'm probably going to have a website coming out soon where I'm going to be posting some more uh, in-depth articles. All that will end up on the Instagram. And I just want to say thanks, man. You know, anytime you need a, need a guest, anyone to talk and, you know, possibly hit on some stuff, give me a call. For sure, will do. So anyone that's still listening, thank you so much for listening to this far. I appreciate all the support I've gotten. I mean, this podcast has really blown up over the last couple of weeks and I wouldn't be able to do it without you guys. So if you're still listening, please subscribe, leave a review. You already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.